is Don't Sweat the Technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass. It is a Taco Tuesday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Hopefully you went and voted, and now you're enjoying a nice taco. My, uh, the oldest didn't have school today. Really? Yeah, I was like, what? No school today? That's weird. You random Tuesday. Well, it's not a random Tuesday, but a Tuesday. Yeah, it's bizarre to me. Uh, it's my first time seeing you guys this week. Y'all look good this week. Y'all look uh, good. By the way, yeah. Lisa and I were talking about that, too. Kids get way more days off of school than we ever did, and I don't yeah, want to be do. get off my lawn guy, but like... Every little like parent teacher this or whatever, and it's like, oh, in service, they're off two and a half days. Huh? Yeah, I don't hate it. I don't hate that they're off, though. Because it's tough for us, schedule-wise. It, it, really? For, for us, it's easier because it's like we don't have to like get up and around as early and have to take them to school. So like, I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. For me, if Taylor doesn't go, then I've got problems because Lisa goes in, mm. and so it's me and Tay. So you're babysitting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Slow Pez says it's Will Levis insider himself, Jeremy Brown. It's a good point. Uh, Adam Schefter did not give me proper qu- credit for uh, breaking that story, by the way. Did you see that? Yeah, if he doesn't know, he better know. Yeah, Adam Schefter reported earlier, like an hour ago, that uh, Will Levis has been named the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. I, I literally said that yesterday, and Adam Schefter did not give me credit. Is there something that we can do legally about this? Well, not maybe. Yeah, legally, we can have a bunch of the people in the hive berate him on Twitter and let him know that, hey, bro, you know, give credit where credit's due. It's not all about you. What's the, uh, it's not slander, but it's the libel. Libel. Can we get him for libel charges, Joe? Joe who am I? I Do you guys remember Joe. this, though? And this was a big deal. <laughs> about the legal system? For a <laughs> while. Yeah. Attempted murder <laughs> guy. <laughs> Attempted murder guy is not the guy you bring in here. Uh, this was a deal back when social media was really picking up, if you remember. And I think Berman was in the middle of it, too. They were always concerned with who got credit for breaking stories. Yeah. And then I, Fagan, the, who, Jonathan Fagan, the beat writer for the Rockets, and Berman, Mark Berman from Fox 26 at the time. Oh, yeah. And a few other people. They were really <laughs> hot. about. And then it got national. Yeah. And there were some people fighting about getting credit and, and or making it right if they didn't give proper credit to stories. The the petty the the most petty arguments I've seen like in this business are journalists fighting over like scoops and who had it first or like who was there at the press conference. It, it's ridiculous the amount of like and pettiness and arguments you get over. Well, I was standing next to player X. You weren't standing next to that player. How do you have that quote in your article? Did you see Brett McMurphy this weekend? No. Said, oh, I did see that. That was a good said, burn, though. It's ironic. ESPN is hammering yeah. Michigan and Jim Harbaugh for a sign <laughs> stealing when ESPN continually steals and fails yeah. to credit reporters and news organizations for news ESPN didn't break. Yeah, I wow. need. To, I need to. I, I'm going to copy and paste that and tag Adam Schefter. You should because so he didn't should, credit me for breaking the Will Levis so story. So should a lot of the listeners. They should jump on the bandwagon and let him know what yeah. he doesn't know. Exactly. At Adam Schefter and let them know that Branham had it first. And I mean, I was. I was legit. I'm not. A, I'm not a journalist. I'm not a media member. People like to say that I am. I guess half the time that I am. But I am not any of those things. I am a social media influencer. I am a content creator. I am not a member of the media. But I did break that with Will Levis. All right. I digress. By the way, what you were touching on, too, Mm -hmm. Mark Berman was known as Scoop. That was his nickname. Mark Berman was 
hot if someone else got credit for something that he broke because he was the guy that was i don't know i'm not gonna say bribing but yeah. he was got the people at the airports and everything to tip him off and if someone took credit for it he'd pull me jb can I talk for a second can i talk for a second did you see that did you see what they did there yeah. and i'm like oh berman and he's like no i'm not gonna forget that i mean i'm, I'm pissed off there was a uh oh he would get super mad Ooh. berman was would get super heated um there was one time I, I knew Berman. Berman would go to like coaches shows and stuff and get quotes and things like that. And I remember that there was like one like pretty obvious breaking news item. And I was like, "Hey, Berman, is it about to happen?" He's like, "Yeah, but I don't have a second source." And was like mad that he didn't have a second source. But it's I mean it's 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 funny, it's petty. But uh, Berman was the absolute best, best ever. Um, he's no longer on the Texans beat. Probably oh. wishes that he was because the Texans are pretty good at football. Five hundred record. Uh, I think most of us have already kind of like gotten here when it comes to the Houston Texans. I think we're all buying into the Texans future, right? Uh, 713-780-3776 if you're one of the few that is not. Uh, if you've not bought into the Texans future, I want to hear from you. 713-780-3776. Blankers, have you bought in to the uh, uh, Texans future? Okay. Uh, Joe, Ho- Jose, Jorge, have you bought in oh, yeah. to the Houston Texans future? Very much so. I've bought into hear, the oh, Houston Texans future. You no, know, I sure did. You, but I saw, I'm sure you saw the video. Is he Paul Gallant? Yeah, I, I said that's the next Joe oh, gotta, George Jinx. Why did you call myself. it Paul Gallant? Oh, that's why you called it a Paul Gallant. Yeah, because yeah. Paul Gallant. Yeah. No one else is going to do I it. I appreciate the hustle. Yeah, there's I, a lot I appreciate of hustle. the hustle. Yeah. Uh, I, I do admire the hustle. But yeah, that is. hopefully that's not the next Jinx. Joe George, because we know that the Joe the Jinx, Jinx is, is alive and well. I, I remember I was watching the video late last night whenever I got home, and I was like, okay, this is good. Joe's got a take. I like this take. Oh, he feels strongly. But oh, no, did Joe just jinx this? Is something that immediately crossed my mind. Because, look, Paul and I were arguing a little bit earlier on Twitter today about C.J. Stroud's first few games and Deshaun Watson's first few games and, you know, who had big games. And I have no idea what we're even arguing about. I don't even think we're arguing. I think we were just saying things to each other without, like, any direction whatsoever. Um, But I think Paul does have a point. Like, Deshaun Watson's first eight, I think it was seven games, six games, maybe seven. Like, I think he started six, played seven because he came into the second half of the opener. Uh, his last four games before he got injured were unbelievable. We were saying the same things about Deshaun Watson then that we're saying about sure. C.J. Stroud now. Now, there were some issues I had with Deshaun Watson. I hated the negative plays. I hated the interceptions. I thought he missed a bunch of easy stuff, stuff I don't, I don't see with C.J. Stroud. But statistically, number-wise, uh, they do – mirror each other they have some similarities the narrative around town whenever you had Deshaun Watson was basically what Joe was saying yesterday the Houston Texans are going to get to a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson Deshaun Watson's going to win an MVP for the Houston Texans you had Dabo Sweeney well he's Michael Jordan we all believe you Dabo he's Michael Jordan Uh, so all the things that were talked about then about Deshaun we are recycling now with CJ Stroud now me I'm a bigger believer in C.J. Stroud because he does things on the football field that I don't think a lot of quarterbacks are capable of doing, including uh, Deshaun Watson, even though Deshaun Watson put up some gaudy numbers in his first rookie year, even beyond that. To me, Jeremy, it's about the things that you don't normally see from a young quarterback that kind of relate to what you were talking about, Deshaun, but also you may never see in a lot of cases with a lot of quarterbacks, poise, right? Decision-making in the pocket. Taking the the smart play and either a, a one or two yard loss or a a brief one or two yard gain, as opposed to trying to extend a play, be a hero, lose fourteen, fifteen yards, nine yards, whatever, set your team back, and really halt or stall a drive. But the things that we talked about even yesterday, the touch, the fact that he can feather a ball in and put a ball in a small window, no matter where it needs to be, whether he's on the run or set in the pocket, 
is something that, again, a lot of quarterbacks would love to have, and there's really no drills or exercises that can adequately get you to where you need to develop that skill. He has that skill that puts him at a certain level already. So, yes, there's more for him to continue to progress and do, but at the same time, he's already shown he's mature beyond his years, and his poise in the pocket decision-making is phenomenal. Yeah, it's those things. It's... um... To me, it's not missing the easy stuff. Like, the two things that stand out to me more than anything was Deshaun would miss a lot of easy stuff. Like, he'd have crossing pattern, guys seven yards away, easy throw that's going to lead to, like, an easy first down. He's throwing it behind it. He's, like, under-throwing at times. I'm like, oh, my goodness, you can't win with this. Or it was the second down and seven, and he takes a critical sack, and all of a sudden you're in a third and 14 behind the chains. You can't win football that way. C.J. Stroud doesn't do those things. C.J. Stroud makes the easy play more times than not. No one's ever perfect. Uh, and he doesn't make the negative play. He's thrown 14 touchdowns and has one interception. Like, C.J. Stroud's numbers right now are literally unbelievable they to are. me. They're unbelievable the to pick, me. We talked about it yesterday. The one pick to me stands out more than anything else. That When you can go 14 touchdowns, one pick, like, that's not supposed to happen for most quarterbacks in, in any league, in any league, you know, year of the league that they're playing in. But when you're a rookie starting for the first time, and I think I said it to Joe in the last hour yesterday, but I'm like, if anybody at the start of the year would have told me, CJ's at the midway point, is only going to have one pick, 14 touchdowns. I'm like, get the hell out of here. Like, there's not even a 95%, you know, there's only not even a 5% chance that's going to happen. I'm like, right. there's no way. Yeah, I went and looked at some of, like, his numbers today, and people are putting out there the passing yards. Well, the Texans have had a buy. Some teams haven't, so it's a little misleading. CJ Shroud's top three in the NFL in passing yards per game. Like, that's unheard of. C.J. Stroud laps the NFL in interception percentage in a good way. Uh, he has, like, under – I forget the number. It's nerdy anyways. Uh, he's, like, top five in quarterback rating. He touchdowns. He's top seven. Interceptions, he's thrown one. Like, his stats are literally unbelievable to me. And kind of to circle back to the question, uh, if you're not buying into the Texans, it's time to start. Like, it probably was a few weeks ago. But knowing that you have a quarterback – in C.J. Stroud is reason enough to start believing. Like when Deshaun Watson did... Now, Deshaun Watson had some players around him. Like he had DeAndre Hopkins when he was 25 years old and probably the best receiver in the NFL. I know that we bang on Will Fuller because he was injury-prone and made of glass. Will Fuller, whenever he was on the football field with Deshaun Watson, was a Pro Bowl-caliber wide receiver. And that was also a team that made the playoffs the previous year. Deshaun Watson was taking over a playoff team, whereas C.J. Stroud taking over an organization that won 11 games in the last three years. So very very different scenarios that they're both in. But the moment that you have a quarterback in the NFL and the moment you have a competent head coach, like I don't even need a great head coach, really good quarterback, competent head coach, you should be bullish about the future of the organization. On top of that, too, this is the first year of what's five years guaranteed on his rookie deal, fifth-year player option, where you we know about the Legion of Boom in Seattle and how they took advantage of Russell Wilson's cheap contract. The Texans and Nick Casario, and I think he will do this, they have to take advantage of the first five years of C.J. Stroud. And with $80 million in cap room next year, I expect them to be super aggressive, and that's why I'm bullish about this organization. They absolutely need to be. And depending on what your level of accomplishment is with a team, Super Bowl competitor, playoff, mainstay, whatever, I think that you're looking at the next year and a half to where if you want to get, you know, get your, take out your emotions on the Texans, you better try and do it now because this team is on the rise and it's only going to get better and better. And like you mentioned, it starts with the fact that your franchise quarterback is 
well under team control at a very, very manageable price for the next several years. And the fact that you have cap space that Joe's alluded to multiple times. And the fact that you still have a full cupboard full of draft picks. This team's going to get better quickly, and it's going to continue to be on the rise. And that's what's so exciting, because we didn't expect all of this this season. But the fact that it's already been put upon us, and we're blessed to see it develop before our eyes, now it gets really exciting, because it's one thing to say, hey, they're competitive in games, they're winning games, they're doing a lot of things that we didn't see them doing. But now it's like, hey, they're ready to take a big step to the next level, and they've got a ton of resources and ways they can get there. I don't know if it's because I'm in a, in a good mood or if it's a lack of sleep. Uh, it's probably the lack of sleep. I'm rarely in a good mood. Just ask our listeners. Uh, I want to put the Homer hat on because, right. you know, Stroud's great. He has his feeling great. Who knows? He might go lay an egg in Cincinnati, and we can't have this conversation next week. Maybe this is his peak in his rookie year, and we can't have this conversation uh, the rest of the season. We know that the Astros are in this championship window, this golden era. When could the Texans' championship window realistically start? 713-780-ESPN Rockets. They're playing well. We'll talk about the Rockets. It's an overreaction Tuesday to all what's going on around the NFL. Astros stuff to get to. A cash or trash. Plenty on the show. Busy, jam-packed day. Going to be a lot of fun with the Killer Bees. 713-780-3776. Put on your Homer hat. When does the Texans' championship window start for you? 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch. Twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. Joel's at Pac-Man Joel on the Twitter. Joe's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. It's the Killer Beast on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hopefully this Homer hat thing goes okay, because if not, I have to call HRP. That's okay. I love the people over at HRP, Human Resources and Payroll. One of the reasons I love them is because it's Cougar owned by my colleague, O'Cooks, and members of the Cougar 100 for the eighth year in a row. You've seen the HRP signage of U of H games. You've seen their beautiful building off the Beltway. But let's get down to the brass tacks. Business owners, let HRP help you. They can help you in HR compliance, benefits administration, payroll, onboarding. HRP can help in any of those areas or just one of those areas. It doesn't matter. Whatever you need, because there's no boxes with HRP. You aren't reading off a menu. Doesn't matter how small a job, how big a job. HRP will work with you to completely customize a plan for whatever you need, for whatever your business needs. You have a problem. You have an issue. You want to take a little off your plate. HRP will find a way to help. They do it in a way that is unique. Technology meets service. They have the best tech. You'll love that. But you'll also love their service. Guaranteed fulfillment. You'll never talk to a stranger or you'll be talking to someone who knows you and they know your business needs. Give them a call at 281-880-6525 and let HRP customize a plan for you. 281-880-6525 or check them out at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. Ready to Bank Studios. It's Joel and Jeremy. 713-780-ESPN. Um, put your Homer hat on. When does that Texans Super Bowl window, championship window begin? 713-780-3776. Discuss that in a couple minutes. Uh, uh, you guys were talking off the air. Rookie quarterbacks who had a great rookie season then have fallen off. I think this was uh, a conversation earlier today on our airwaves, I believe. Joe was uh, jinxing somebody else, some other quarterback. You know, you know why RG3 had a really good rookie year and then fell off the face of the earth? It's because Joe drafted him in his dynasty That's league not true. Ah, after Probably his true. rookie season. Not and then all of a sudden, RG3, uh, guess what, no longer Jeremy? any good. You know what else he did? Bad he, news for him. He had, uh, he had Vince Young after his rookie year. And what, what, what happened with Vince Young? The, we have good. a problem. The Joe then. Jinx. I know. You have C.J. Stroud in, in our dynasty And league. then in the other dynasty league I'm in, I have your boy. For the uh, Captain Will. Levis. Oh, you have Levis? I don't really care about Levis. 
Nah, you never have. I, uh, I mean, I thought he was good, but I don't, I, honestly, I don't want Levis to be good. I know you because, really want. You want, he needs to be bad for yeah, you. Yeah, I don't it's want. Best. I don't want Levis to be a good quarterback. Like I, I would hate for Levis to be really, really good, and the Titans win the AFC South every single year. I do not want that to happen. Um, now, I, I did like him the whole draft build up, and I do think he is super talented. Now, he has some areas that he needs work on where CJ Stroud doesn't. Like things that Stroud does. No, I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm okay. saying that the areas that Levis needs to work on, Stroud doesn't need work in those areas, like pre-snap right, reading of a right. defense, uh, being able to layer a football, anticipation. Uh, Levis does a lot of guessing sometimes, and I think that it could be something that holds him back from being a good NFL quarterback, and I'm not worried about that with C.J. Right, Stroud. Right. Like So RG3, quarterback, great rookie season, fell off. It was injuries, was that the case? Uh, Vince Young, why did he fall off after a really good rookie season? I don't think that those are similar to, to C.J. Stroud. But, but kind of, because when we were talking in the break, because I was the one, I had said that to Joe when I heard Joe bring up that the two guys were in the same draft class, that he, and it was Luck and RG3, and Luck obviously walked away. But the one that always comes to my mind is V.Y., but the situations were similar, where RG3 started to tell Shanahan what kind of offense he needed. But remember, there was a big dispute going on between V.Y. and Jeff Fisher. Oh, for sure. And, 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 and that kind of wedged everything, and, and I think that was the start of the fall of Vince Young. Yeah, see, okay, this is going to be an unpopular opinion in the city of Houston because Vince Young is Houston's boy. Mm-hmm. And, and Vince Young's my favorite like high school, college quarterback of all time, not named Case Keenum and a Houston Cougar. I hate, I hate UT. Sorry, Texas fans. I love Vince Young. I, I rooted for Vince Young at Texas despite me not liking the burnt orange. Uh, that's, how, that's my affinity for Vince Young. I think the reason that Vince Young failed in the NFL is because he was refusing to put in the work. I don't think he had any work ethic to be a successful NFL quarterback, and I think that's why he tailed off after his rookie season, where it's, okay, now these defenses are starting to adjust to me. Like, how do I counter that? How do I come back and beat them? And he didn't really have an answer, really wasn't willing to put in the work. RG3, I think, is 100% injury. I think yep. RG3 would have been really, really good if he never got hurt. Man, he took some hits, and, and you know, it, it, Joe was mentioning the fact that if, you know, the, the, the field was different and wasn't... You know, there were situations that were different, but he got hammered that whole year. I mean, and and because of the fact that on top of that, he was trying to do a lot of Deshaun Watson things. He was trying to extend every play to be a hero, to be on Center, to keep getting the attention that he was getting. And that was leading to a lot more big hits. Yeah. And so I think it was a, it was a combination of factors that were his downfall. But boy, he got off to one hell of a start in his first year. Yeah, I've um, you ever heard of that podcast called I think it's called Play Callers, not Playmakers, Play Callers. And it kind of uh, it really does a deep dive in like the San Francisco tree. Uh, Kyle Shanahan. I've only listened to one episode. It's really really good. I listen to it on, on flights, and they talk a lot, a lot about. The RG3, in fact, RG3 is one of the guests on the podcast. They talk a lot about RG3's rookie year in Washington, and, and they had an unbelievable offensive staff. That was Mike Shanahan as the yeah. head coach. Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. McVay was on yeah. that staff. Bobby Slowick, I believe, was on Lafleur that staff as like a quality was, control guy. I think LaFleur was, I think LaFleur was as well. And so was Sala, I think. I'm not sure if Sala ever was in Washington. But this was, and this was more about an offense play caller, so maybe he was, but they yeah. didn't feature him. Uh, but that staff was ridiculous. McDaniel was on that staff, yeah. uh, the, the, the head coach in Miami as well. And they talk about how they went tons of RPO and they ran the heck of RG at an RG3 and then the whole knee injury and the doctor never approved RG3 to go back in the game, but he went back in the game. Actor, it was actually Dr. James Andrews. 
Oh, uh, was, really? He was there. He was the there on field. Yeah, yeah, he was there on field uh, doctor, and he never cleared him. But he went back in. All the stuff that happened. Shanahan eventually got fired. Blah 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 blah. But anyways, yeah, I don't think that C.J. Stroud has that regression. I mean, knock on wood. But his game to me does it unless there's injury. Anything if injury can you know throw everything off the rails. But what he does well isn't something that I expect can go backwards. Well, and those two guys were running quarterbacks too, and they like to run a lot. And you don't see that from C.J. He knows when to run. He knows when to tuck it and and get a couple of yards from it but he's not looking to get out and get to the edge or find a seam and go get some yards that's his last resort and and it goes back to and reverts back to what we were talking about in the first segment when you got a guy that already has that poison maturity in the pocket with his decision making you got a guy that is going to play the right way already enough to keep him from regressing to that level of what happened to those other two guys. Yeah, 4 one eight, seven. Uh, He says we're overblowing the one interception thing. He's had some drops, some tip passes that should have been intercepted as well. He's been great. Don't get me wrong, but coulda, shoulda uh, be up around three to five interceptions. I agree with that. I think that it's probably closer to three to five interceptions. Like his true, like expected interceptions. His X-I-N-T uh, is probably closer to three and five than it is one. I agree, but even that's very good. Like, let's go to the high end of that range and give you five interceptions. 14 touchdowns of five interceptions. Top three in the league in passing per, per game, yards per game. As a rookie, uh, I, you're still taking that. And I still have him ahead of Deshaun like today, currently. Um, Deshaun as a Houston Texan was really, really good. We're saying the same things about Stroud that we were saying about Deshaun. When does the cha- Texans championship window start? Homer hat on. 713-780-3776. Because if you have a quarterback, you have a shot. You have a quarterback, you have a puncher's chance in the NFL. The Texans have lots of money to spend. They are very young. First-year head coach looks like he knows what he's doing. When is a realistic start of a championship window for the Houston Texans? Year and a half. Realistically, it's a year and a half because you get through the rest of this season and then you start tapping into the resources that you have with draft picks and and free agency money and uh, and the cap that you are going to be dealing with, which is very favorable to the organization, and, and, and then start melting all those pieces into the pot so that you you have some continuity. It may take an extra year after that. But I think that once you get to that point and then another draft on top of it and and more free agency, I think that's when you truly will see a championship window open up that should be open for multiple years. Okay. Uh, Homer hat's on here. I think it's next year. It is next year. I think it's next year for the Houston Texans. Joe Burrow did it in year two after he tore up his knee. Now, he had you know an elite wide receiver, but he had a bad offensive line. He had a defense that was so-so. The Houston Texans, if, if we're thinking that C.J. Stroud, and we're going to do an exercise later, we're going to go around, look around the NFL, and we're going to take Stroud or this team's quarterback, and we're going to see where we rank Stroud as of right now today. If we believe Stroud's a top-seven quarterback in the NFL, you're, you're a contender. You have a puncher's chance. This is a young nucleus that should get better. You still you don't have your first rounder, but you have a first rounder, so you're not completely depleted of you know draft capital and draft picks. In fact, you have like a very normal draft capital this year, even though you traded one of your first. But you have a young player that's not going anywhere. It's not like you traded it for a rental. You traded it for a, what you think is a pillar piece on your defense. Secondly, they have tons of money to spend. They have tons of money to spend. So if you have all the amount of money they have to spend, you have a young nucleus that might be a playoff team this year. You have a, a rookie quarterback who's really, really good, potentially top 10 already right now, going into his second season. Now, I want Bobby Slowick to stay. I think the championship window starts as soon as next season for the Houston Texans. I think it's a little too soon. Joe, I, I know you want to get in here. I- well, I mean, it's just – but it's not – but I think – it's a window. Like it starts next year. They're going to be a playoff. So like team. it would be like the fifteen Astros. Like if they're a playoff team, That's they're in the window. It. I'm going by realistic Super Bowl 
championship. I mean, the the Astros were were they the Astros lost to the champions sure. that year, yeah. and they should have won that series. They sure if Carlos Correa like it was tipped by Tony Sip, but if Carlos Correa plays that ball up the middle, they turn two. Astros might win the World Series that year. Yeah, I just I, when I look at the when I look at the window, I, I say look at the history of of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, and typically in year two, the elite of the elite quarterbacks take that major jump. Brady, Mahomes, Burrow. Like those elite, elite guys, that's when they reach the Super Bowl and or at least go deep in the playoffs. So I, I think the window starts next year. It's not meaning they're going to make it there next year, but the window right. is open starting next year. And my, my realistic approach to saying it's going to take a year after that is because of the three guys you named, Joe, two of them are still in the AFC and have a fighting chance to win the Super Bowl. So when you got to go through two of the other guys – that you know that have a chance to you know, or had a chance to do what they did. Yeah. I think that makes it increasingly more difficult. Yeah, I mean it's a great counterpoint. It, it, it is a really good rebuttal. Um, I mean, I, I didn't even think about Mahomes winning it in his second year. Now Burrow was the example that I looked at, maybe because they play the the Bengals on mm-hmm. Sunday. I mean, Burrow went from a four win team to all of a sudden they're in the Super Bowl. Like it's it's nuts. Now you're right, the gauntlet of the AFC is ridiculous. If the Texans were an NFC team, uh, the odds increase yep. because the AFC, I mean, you're looking at Pat Mahomes. You're looking at Joe Burrow. You're looking at Lamar Jackson. You're looking at Josh Allen, however you feel about him. I yep. think he's highly overrated. Um, even the young quarterbacks in your division, like Trevor Lawrence, we expect him to go away. Uh, Anthony Richardson's hurt this year. We have doubts about Anthony Richardson. Um, so the, 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 Will the, thrill. The, the conference, yeah, I'm not ready to put him in that okay, conversation. I was just see if you were gonna he, he's still super raw to but me. The only thing, like my only issue with the argument is it's not like they're leaving. No. Like, like, these guys are not going anywhere, and, and who knows? Depending on how the draft falls, Caleb Williams could be in this conference Well, but that's why I kept year. harping on the fact that when this team was out quarterback hunting, they couldn't just get a franchise quarterback that was going to be your starter for years and years and years but wasn't top 10 or better when you had the guys in the AFC. And that just ramped up even more with the fact that we said they're all young. They're not going anywhere. And you could throw Herbert into the conversation no matter how much his coach holds him back or he's regressed yeah. a little bit. The fact is, there's a there's a, more than a handful of really, really, really good quarterbacks in the AFC. I'm starting to have some doubts about Herbert. Like A lot of people I, are. I'm wondering if he's the kind of guy that's like really, really good, looks the part, puts up huge numbers, and then in crunch time, he kind of fades mm-hmm. away. Uh, I'm, I'm still going to give him the benefit of the doubt, at least for like a season post-Brandon Staley. I'm starting to have some concerns there with is Justin he, Herbert. Is he just the guy he replaced? Uh, Philip Rivers? Philip Rivers? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Like Philip never won anything, but has yeah. the stats of a Hall of Famer. Yeah, it's, I mean he had some like, he had some playoff runs. It's like a playoff version of again the Utah Jazz, where you're really, really yeah. good all regular season. It's Kirk Cousins ish because that's the knock on him too. Kirk Cousins will get you through a regular season with flying colors. Kirk Cousins in the playoffs is a different story, and and that's what you worry about. Because look, Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott. Same thing, and, and obviously injury factors in as well, but Dak Prescott is another guy that takes his lumps because of the fact that he plays really well for most of the season, but when uh, there's a big game and, and a lot on the line, he doesn't play his best. We'll, uh, we'll look to see where we stack up Stroud. I want to do it organically, though. I haven't even looked at this this week because I wanted to save it for later in the show. We'll do it later in the show. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Look, Rightfully so, talking about the Texans in a a glorious way. We are praising the Houston Texans. 
But we are also very realistic with all of you listeners. Sometimes you don't like it, but you need that dose of realism from time to time. So we're not going to ignore in victory what you wouldn't in defeat. We got to get to some of the negatives, and there were plenty from the Houston Texans uh, win this past week against Tampa Bay. 713-780-3776. What are you not ignoring in victory what you wouldn't in defeat? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN. And 92.5. He's blank. I'm Branham. All right, we can't ignore... In victory, what we wouldn't in defeat. You know, we we can spend Monday celebrating and giving the Texans flowers. We can spend 30 minutes talking about the greatness that is C.J. Stroud. But ultimately, at some point, we have to address some of these glaring holes that also stood out in the Tampa Bay game. 713-780-3776. What are you not ignoring in victory, which you wouldn't in defeat? What sticks out to you, Blankers? Uh, From a team perspective or just C.J.? No, from a team perspective. This well, is this is overall team perspective. I think from a team perspective, it starts with the fact that there's an inability still to run the football. Uh-huh. And, and, and it has to be more consistent. But it doesn't mean that it has to be force-fed to where you go away from your strength, which we talked about yesterday, which was let the, let the man cook and let the, let the off, offense do what it does best, which is throw the football. But you still do have to have balance. And we know that we've talked about Pierce not being exactly the right scheme fit for the offense they want to run. We saw firsthand that Singletary can be thrown around like a, a rag doll by big defenders, and he's not meant to be between the tackles. But if you get Pierce back, you at least get a guy who's done enough to where you should be able to run the football a little more consistently. So I'll start there. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call. Uh, I, I had a hope in this game uh, for Singletary. Like I wanted to see what Singletary looked like as the starting running back. Now I know that this issue is more than a running back problem. Like, it could be scheme. It could be what you have on the offensive line. In fact, I think that's the biggest weight. Like, that's the biggest variable that I'm giving the most weight to of why this running game has been no good is I, this offensive line just hasn't been very good. I don't, also don't think the running backs are very good for, for what it's worth. Could it be schemed a little bit better? I think it can be schemed a little bit better, but I do think Bobby Slowick is a good offensive coordinator. Yeah, the running game was uh, was horrendous. Um and even to like double down on that, it's the commitment to running the football. That's why it was so cool to see them get away from that in the second half. And it actually opened some things up in the running game when they opened things up and they opened up the playbook. I think you got to do that from the moment you, you kick off going forward. No, you, you're, you're absolutely right. I think that when going back and watching that game a second time and, and seeing how many times they, they weren't as predictable, they didn't run the ball on first down, they got a little bit more creative with their play calling, especially on the early downs. It, it, you could see it really altered the way one of the better defensive play callers in the league, uh, Todd Bowles and his and his team, reacted. And you could see the linebackers who were expecting, I think, in a lot of ways early in that football game, uh, you know, a lot of run. They were making adjustments, and I think it caught them a little bit off guard. And I think that's why once that combination and then CJ really started to find a rhythm and start spreading the ball over the field, that altered their ability the rest of the game to do some of the exotic blitz packages and things that Bowles is known for. So I think that's a huge strength for not just C.J. Stroud, but for the entire offense and starting with Bobby Slowick. Yeah, it gets them on their heels. Like It changes uh, what they're doing philosophically from a a defensive point of view. Watching the running game was was bad, but I really like Vita Vea. He is well, he's, he's an unbelievable the football The close-ups of that man, how large he, he is. He is massive. I, I want a Vita, Veda, a Vita Vea on my football team. I want – the Texans have to find a Vita Vea. They have to figure out a way to get a Vita Vea. A Vita Vea. But he's one of those guys – Because he's so good. Got to believe – remember when Sports Illustrated did that article a couple of years ago where 
D an offensive lineman heart can get up to like with the, how much weight they put on it can get up to like 10 times the size it should be. Dang. And like immediately after playing, they need to lose weight. Like huh. he's such a massive man. Just give me seven good years and then you can go have your well, don't, enlarged yeah, but don't heart go, later. Go. Don't go, go. Just go <laughs> lose weight and become a marathon runner or something. Yeah, do that after you give me seven good years. For me, it was uh, something that I'm not ignoring is the defense. The defense... I didn't think played a very good game. Gave right. up 37 points. Like the total yards wasn't nuts, 332, but they couldn't get off the football field. You allowed 37 points to an offense that really is not that good. Like Baker Mayfield looked looked pretty good. White ran the, the ball Texans. pretty pretty well. Almost as good as he looked all year. So yeah. Baker looked about as good as he had all year. Rashad White has looked as good as he has all year. Now I do think injuries are playing a part here because like Will Anderson left the field for quite a while. Now he was at the Rockets game yesterday, so I think his leg's going to be just fine. You lost safeties on back-to-back plays. Yep. Jimmy Ward got hurt. Then was it Eric Murray? They got hurt. Was it Stewart? Stewart's the one who yeah, got hurt. Murray's Martin already Stewart, hurt. the one they brought in. Yep. So they lost them on back-to-back plays. So I'm, I'm worried about this defense going forward because it's not a very deep defense. Like, you're literally playing guys at safety, like 70% of the snaps that you picked up last week. Uh, I have some concerns about this defense from a talent well, point of view. And when we brought this topic up to start the segment, that's the first thing I was going to revert back to is when Jimmy Johnson was saying during the over the weekend about the fact that you can be a really, really good football team when you have a true quarterback, a really good coach, and then a really good defense. And they've got two of the three. But the defense, if you want to be on the positive side of things, on the glass half full side, of things, look, it has a ton of potential, but it's inconsistent. If you want to be on the glass, uh, the the glass is half empty. Then they're still missing a lot of pieces to make this a defense that it needs to be in order to complement what the offense can do and the coaching staff that's in place. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you look at it. They've done a lot to take strides by spending a little bit more money, getting some bigger names that could do some things just by spending a little bit more money, like Sheldon Rankins. You know, making sure that you took care of of Stevie and some of the other guys, Stevie Nelson and some of the other guys that they did, but they're still not there yet because yeah. the younger guys are still developing. The Ridgeway injury, too, I think is massive. Now, they, they're expecting to get Rankins back this week, but Ridgeway being hurt, that, he's out for the year. I mean, tore his Achilles. That's yep. terrible that's news. Uh, so, the, I mean, the, the Texans defense kind of a battle of attrition now. That That's something that stood out to me as a bad. And then... Is there a Titus Howard problem on this team? Patrick Storm posted the uh, pro football focus grades and you know make of that what you will. Titus Howard this past week, left guard for the Texans, had a pass blocking grade of 45, I'm rounding up, and he had a run blocking grade of 45. Well, he couldn't pull very well. No, and like, is that scheme, is that asking Titus to do too much? I think it's fair. And like, this isn't, I don't want to grade Titus Howard's contract based on what he's doing at left guard. Because quite frankly, Titus Howard's being an unselfish football player right mm-hmm. now, doing what is asked of him for the betterment of the team. So I'm not going to crush like Titus Howard uh, in the contract. Is it a contract that, that you know, brought some eyes, uh, did it raise your eyebrows? Yes. Did it bring some questions? Was it too much? Like, those are all fair conversations. But I'm not going to look at what Titus Howard's doing it left guard and throw it into like evidence for that take or for that argument. He's trying to be an unselfish teammate that's doing what's in the best interest of his team because they have an offensive line that's been killed all year long with injury. But I think you got to start looking at the mirror a little bit and start saying, what is our identity? If you're going to be a Stroud first, pass first team, or what was the term that you used yesterday? Uh, not a not a run first, not a pass first, not a Stroud first. But you Oppert- said, what was it? I can't remember. It was well said, but I forget exactly what it was. It was so good that you forgot. I it did. was it was a uh, it was a one hit wonder, I guess. But like, if if you're going to be pass first, like, is Titus Howard at right tackle and going with like Josh Jones at left guard a better option? Um, 
I, 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 I've been, I've been a little bit like defensive of Titus Howard at left guard. I do think it's your best five football players. I think I do think it's your best five offensive linemen. I, I'm starting to have doubts that it's the best combination, though. Here's where I'm going to be a little bit more. Normally, I, I'm quick to to be critical of guys that deserve it. But I think in the case of, of Titus Howard, it goes back to what I said all along, which is in years past when I just didn't think it was conducive to the entire offense to keep playing musical chairs with all the different offensive linemen at the different positions that they play. Now, I think that they did what they did this year for obvious reasons, and it's it's paid off in the fact that that is your best pass-blocking unit that is the best suited to keep your franchise young rookie quarterback upright. And they've done that. I'm after. not so sure it is anymore. Uh, maybe I, it's I thought changing, that at the time, but I think that to get down to the, the brass tacks of what you're talking about in terms of evaluating Titus Howard, I think you can't adequately and fairly evaluate him until he plays the position that he was signed the money to play that he's supposed to be playing on a consistent yeah, basis. I, I'm not going to evaluate Titus Howard doing what is in the best interest of his team and not himself as it relates to that contract. Seven, now, I think it might be time to move him back to right tackle and play some Josh Jones at left guard. And hat tip to Michael Dieter. We just talked about Via Vea. I yeah. can't say his name right. Uh, but he he held his own. Like, he got beat yeah, a lot. A couple but, penalties. But, yeah, yeah, other than that, he was solid. He was way better than I thought. So it's credit to, to that dude for putting up a fight. 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Andy, you're in the hive with the bees. What's up, Andy? Yeah, you're exactly right. Put Howard at right, right tackle where he belongs. We already... Bob already went through all that crap putting him at guard. He's not a guard. He's got to play right tackle, and you got to put Jacobs at left tackle. I mean, left guard. Yeah, that's just what it's got to be. And then, you know, you know, we're on our fifth center. Have you figured that out? <laughs> He's basically our fifth center. Yeah, it's crazy. Appreciate the. Uh... That is. That's crazy. I mean, when it's. It, what happened with Scruggs? Shouldn't he have been back? That's a yeah. Great question. Appreciate the call, Andy. Scruggs, he should. <laughs> he well, should we be we back. thought he should have been back a couple of weeks ago. DJ B. Enemy, whenever he joined us last week, he's like, he, he did, I think, I don't know if he said it on the air or not, so maybe I shouldn't say it. Uh, but yeah, we expect Juice Scruggs back. We thought that we would have Juice Scruggs back by now, but they don't. Um, Dieter kind of held his own. I, I agree that it's – I think it's Josh Jones, left guard. Yep. Titus Howard needs to play right tackle. I, and I agreed with this decision initially, uh, especially before the bye, because I, I do think it's your best five offensive linemen from, like, a talent point of view. But when you start talking about the configuration, well, okay, this is, might be our best five, but it means that Titus is going to play left guard where he's been a below-average left guard. It means that Fant, who's been okay, decent, solid, plays right tackle. I'm not so sure that's better than just playing Josh Jones at left guard, Titus Howard at right tackle, put him at the position where you paid him a lot of money to play. Yeah, No, look, I think that, again, I, I, I firmly believe that this was your best five offensive linemen, especially as it relates to pass blocking because of how important it was to keep CJ out of harm's way. And because we knew that this was so important because of the the fact that your offense is going to be completely different if he's not in the football game, period. But if he's going to be your long-term answer at quarterback, you can't have him, to go back to the Burrow discussion, you can't have him take a Joe Burrow hit or two in his first year and then try and recover from that and expect to see the same player in whatever time it takes for him to recover. That's why they did what they did. It worked beautifully to do what they needed it to do, which was to keep him safe and out of harm's way. And at the same time, we found out how good he was when he was kept upright. So that's why you you only want to make these changes 
if it continues to keep CJ out of harm's way and yet it gives you a better chance to run, if it doesn't, I don't I don't screw with it for the for the foreseeable future. I guess that if you're going to be bad at one side of it, it's good that you're bad at run blocking because if you're trying to protect one more than the other, right. protect the rookie quarterback that's your best offensive player. 713-780-3776. Rockets got back to 500 yesterday, dominating with statement win for the Houston Rockets, beating up on the uh, Kings who were without their best player. Thoughts on the Rockets through their first six games. Are they going to do this all year? They're going to be flirting with a 500 record. They're going to be flirting with that play-in. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I know you've been flirting about going to TDECU Stadium this weekend to watch the Houston Cougars take on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, no, don't flirt with it anymore. Commit to it. It's homecoming week on the campus of the University of Houston. Get to TDECU Stadium Saturday at 6. Houston Cougars taking on a familiar foe in the Cincinnati Bearcats. Head over to uhcougars.com slash tickets to get your tickets right now or just call all 713-GO-COOGS. Tell them Branham sent you. Uh, it's time for all Cougars to come home. I mentioned it's homecoming week. Let's pack TDECU Stadium and band together to create an incredible atmosphere. U of H making a bull push, looking for back-to-back wins. Come early and enjoy all the new activities in Cougar Alley in front of TDECU Stadium, including the huge LED TV screen, the Bud Light Backyard, the Coke Fan Zone, food trucks, and more. Spirit of Houston performing at the half. Entertainment by cheerleaders Cougar Dawes. Shasta and Sasha, DJ Yobi Yobes in the student section, an offense that's playing good, Donovan Smith putting the team on his back in that overtime frame. So get out to TDECU Stadium uh, this Saturday. Watch the Cougars take on Cincinnati. Tickets start at just $15 with Houston taking on Cincy Saturday, November 11th, 6 p.m. It's going to be in the 60s on Saturday, too, by the way. Uh, go to uhcougars.com slash tickets. Call 713-GO-COUGS. Don't miss all the fun and pageantry of college football. Come early, be loud, and wear red. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Sweet sassy molassy. Clever metaphors and catchphrases escape me. Like a fat girl waving her trophy from the smell contest. Sweet sassy molassy, I'm trying my best here. Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Rockets uh, hammered the Sacramento Kings yesterday. You know, they say it's hard to beat a good team twice. That's because the Rockets are a better team. Eh, they didn't have De'Aaron Fox. But, uh, hey, you take your wins when you can get them. Rockets now 500 on the season. I don't care that De'Aaron Fox wasn't playing in that game yesterday because of the way they dominated. They got out to a 32-22 first quarter, never took the foot off the gas. They were playing the they were playing their bench guys at the start of the fourth yeah. quarter. It was incredible. Uh, they got outscored by 12 points in the fourth quarter and still won the game by 25. This is what I like, because Joe and I talked about this yesterday. What I hate is the NBA makes enough money these days that we need to get away from the fact that you're going to play both Sacramento games that are going to be at home this year within a three-day span. And if you're missing a player like De'Aaron Fox, and he's a hometown kid in this case too, which which doubles up on it, and people want to go see him play, they won't see him play this whole year in Houston, which kind of sucks. And, 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 you know, they did it for travel and they did it for COVID. And you don't have to worry about that stuff now. So I wish they'd get away from that because I was looking at it more from a barometer standpoint. If Fox plays with as good as Sacramento was a year ago, it would have been really interesting to see how the Rockets would match up against another really good young team in this league. Yeah, I'd rather he not play and you win. But but I understand. <laughs> I mean, look, from a, from a an attitude and a and a feel good in the locker room, that's a, that's a those are two really good wins. But I think the bigger thing was, if you watch the games at all, you see this progression. You see this team that wasn't going to catch all that 
Udoka was throwing down right away, and it was going to take a little time. But you see with every passing game, they're picking up the offense more. They're turning over the ball less. They're playing better defense, and they're switching and rotating better than they have maybe in the last three years. And you're seeing it all come to fruition to where this team, if it keeps progressing, is just going to continue to get better and better because they're getting the coaching, and they're using a system on both ends of the floor that they haven't seen maybe in their entire lives with some of these kids, the way they were brought up with just getting the ball and getting out of the way and just running up and down the court. Mm -hmm. So I think it was going to be a progression. And then you factor in with the veterans. These two guys, in Brooks's case and and in Van Vliet, they're still getting used to their teammates. Yeah. Yeah, so I, uh, I think it's going to take some time, but it's good to see. You I mean this is what happens when you have good coaching? Like absolutely, we you've been around good coaching. I, I've been around the I think the best college basketball coach that there is. Uh, you, you you can tell the impact that good coaching makes, and the Rockets have a really good coach in Ime Adoka. Uh, it's why we wanted him in the off season, and it's been great. The Rockets should be four and two. They should have won the game in San Antonio, and they're up ten with three and a half minutes left to play. Uh, I'm thinking championship with this team, Blankers. I'm thinking this team's going to lift a trophy this year. The in-season championship, first one ever, Houston Rockets. Well, you had me thinking you were working at a different outlet (laughs) when you said that. I I mean, I was saying it just for the joke. Uh, These in-season courts, by the way... I can't watch it. I've been I've been for the in season tournament. I think it adds stakes to early November basketball. It gives it some intrigue. It gives it something like okay, I'm not somebody who normally watches early November basketball. I'm going to check out the in season tournament. I think it's good from a. I think it's interesting. I think it's going to bring in more viewers, not a lot more, but more viewers. But the moment they had those ugly courts, I I, I turned it off. I this was car wreck of the day material. Yesterday. It was brutal. Did, yeah. Was it Joe, Joe nominated? It was yesterday. so bad. I, it hurts my eyes it's like the european games when they do this with the courts you can't tell if the players are wearing dark uniforms or any kind of color that's similar to the floor everything kind of blends together and it's harder to follow the game itself and i know that you and i went back and forth on this and and joe as well and i was a big uh i was grossly against this mid-season tournament I'm not getting fired up. I don't think enough people are. I think the NBA had to do these stupid courts just to remind people, hey, by the way, this has extra meaning. This is one of those did. games. Yeah, I don't mean I I don't think the in-season tournament was ever going to fire people up. I think it was just trying to add stakes to meaningless early November basketball. And maybe Joe's right that they did it even for more attention cuz look, right now we're talking about these stupid no ugly doubt. courts. But they're they're awful. They hurt my eyes. I don't like well, it. The thing is too, they have to keep throwing money at it to make it more relevant. You see now the coaches get 500 grand yeah. If they win it, I mean, I like that. Like, it does it. Like, it might not for the group stage, like whatever. But all of a sudden, what do the players get if they win five hundred grand? Yeah, and the coaches get how much? Five hundred grand. So they get the same as yeah. the players. That's yeah. ridiculous. But whenever you're going to have head a, coach does, I don't know about the assistant. You're going to have a do or die game in Vegas where you get five hundred grand if you win. That's I like that. That is cool. Like the group games, whatever. Honestly, Jeremy, I think that's the only game that people are going to really Maybe. pay attention to. Maybe, but I think even just that one game makes it worth it. Because I mean, we're talking about early November regular season basketball. Like, who really cares a whole lot about that? Like, did you watch any? Like, will, will you watch the you watch well, the Rockets every game? Will you watch the Rockets in season tournament? The thing is, is I'm doing both at the same time when I don't realize it. The other night right. I was watching the Bucks play at home against the Knicks, and I didn't yeah. realize until the court. And my, you know, I'm, I'm texting with my buddy who's their PR guy, and he's like, "Well, did you notice the court? This is one of those games. Yeah. This is one of the games for the in season tournament." I was like, "Had no idea till you pointed out that the court had that significance." I'm like, "It's it is so what bad. it is," but I don't really. I'm going to watch the games anyway, right? But 
the only reason why I know it's one of those games is because they use the, the crazy court. It's I just, do think they'll get a little bit of rating spike, but the courts might screw I it up. I think just the championship game. They just maybe so, that, And maybe the semi. It's probably worth it. Yeah. It's probably worth it. Like they just do everything so wrong. This is so simple. Everyone goes to Las Vegas. There is an in-season tournament that takes place in Las Vegas. The champion is crowned on Monday. The All-Star game is on Thursday. That's You can't play like, that many games that quickly. No, but like you can, like instead of spreading them out, make the tournament. Give like a March Madness feel. Yeah, Have you, a wait, game on television all day. Okay, well, you got to talk. I mean, you're talking about a tournament that's going from 30 teams down to one. So I mean, yeah. you're cutting the geography and scheduling to make a, all these teams come no, into like, Vegas. That's, that's five games. Just like put do it in champion. January. Take January. January need, is the in season tournament. You would need at least two weeks. Well, Fine, okay. but you know who does this, right, but they that. don't do a tournament. Is the G League has that G League summit where all the teams you know convene in like some city and then they play a minimum of like two or three games but you can't have a full tournament with all your teams yeah, it's too hard because yeah, there's too could, many extra games you couldn't do the round robin style like they're no, doing you'd, you'd have to no, do a bracket I, style. I, even a bracket's going to take two weeks plus your home crowd's going to be pissed off especially your season you ticket why? holders because you lose a lot of games you because if you're, a champi- if you're a champion you're, i mean yeah that's five games yeah, so it's, yeah, it takes two weeks, and then you have the All Star game. There's nothing wrong with that. I just get rid of the All Star game. Make this your All Star. Well, you see, festivity. see, Adam Silver's already trying Fine. to take the blame for the All Star game when there's just no solution to the All Star game. No, no one's going to play, you know, completely all out basketball for the All Star game, no matter what you do. The yeah. problem is, is there's no solution for any of their problems. I mean, I think this is gonna this is gonna increase uh, ratings. I really do. I, I think that the ratings in early November this year, leading up to the championship game of the in season tournament, is gonna be better than that stretch from a season ago. Yeah, but Jeremy, you're I don't fighting, think there's any doubt. You're fighting college football when it's really starting to get interesting. But you were last year in early November. And NFL like, football. You, you were doing that last right, year, Right, but I think no matter what you do, I think that's the point. No matter what they try and do, they're not going to ever kind of take a massive step forward no, to the other sports. But they're not. that's not what they're trying to do. They're not trying to compete against college football or the NFL. They're trying in 2023 to have better ratings than 2022. And I think that they yeah, they're will. They're looking for more relevance. I think they will. And uh, back to the Rockets real quick. The balance scoring is something that's really, like, you look at what they've done the last the, in the three-game winning streak. Everybody's, like, within two points of each other in the starting mm-hmm. rotation. They're playing winning basketball. Everybody's averaging double figures on the season. I thought Jalen Green yesterday was fantastic. Oh, boy. 23 points in 26 minutes. He scored 23 points on nine shots. Yep. That's incredibly effective. Uh, Shingun was uh, flirting with a uh, triple-double They're running the yesterday. offense through him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that uh, Shingun and Jalen Green are their two best offensive players. No Jabari's been shooting the lights out of it, too, which is very, very encouraging. So is, so, I mean, so is Dylan Brooks. I yeah. didn't see that coming. I mean, I, I think Jabari's is more sustainable. I think Jabari can shoot around 40% from three. I don't think Dylan Brooks can shoot 55% from three. It, but it depends on what kind of looks he gets. If he's starting to get more wide-open looks because Shingun is, is yeah. drawing more defense or Jalen on the wing is drawing a double team, then he might be able to to keep his shooting percentage up. But Joe and I talked about this yesterday in the fact that when you look at what Dylan Brooks did, a lot of guys, when they sign that contract, they just get fat and happy and go, you know, I'm set. I think Dylan Brooks between Team Canada and the fact that he played and played well, but but from everybody that I talked to said he went out to Vegas with his trainer, with the Rockets practices, and with the Team Canada practices, and then with his own personal workouts with his trainer, he wanted to get better and earn his money. And so far, he's doing that. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been really good. Everything they could have uh, they could have asked. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six NFL overreactions. What are the overreactions that are being said around the NFL? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five.